I think a great mentor is somebody who's willing to take the mask off and say, here's the good, the bad, the ugly. Here's my gut level disclosure around where I've struggled in the workplace before. And I just want to make sure you understand that that I, I may not be as, you know, the fact that I may have this corner office or have this title or this position doesn't mean that it's come with this beautiful trajectory and story behind it. I think you've got to be willing to do that. And we talked about the last one is you've got to be willing to set and hold others to a higher standard. But wait, there is more. Yes, there is more because you're going to hear me today as I drill down in asking these tough questions as far as when, where, how. All of this is going to be unpacked today. As you listen to your delightful host, the great interviewer himself, the one who is able to drill deep and ask the right questions. Because not everybody can do this. Only your trained and extremely talented and delightful podcast host like myself can do. And that's why you're going to stay tuned because you're going to get what it is you come from. Yes, my friend. Yes, my friend. My friend, my friend, my friend. We take a street Yes, my friend, my friend, my friend. Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, sitting behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And it is from the show that's been voted number three on the top 15 podcast on emotional intelligence by Feedspot. And so I am excited that you are listening to one of the top shows right now. And I'm in the command center of the Emotelligent Leadership Institute, where I'm going to dig into the vault and get today's show so that what you've come for, you will have. So Let me reach in right here and get today's show. There it is. I got it. I got it. And put it down right here. And now we can dive into today's show. And today we have a a very interesting topic. As you may have heard a brief taste of that with our guest, Kevin Harris. Now, I I say it's, it's different. It's unique because we are going to... um, cover a topic that is not too often spoken about in the leadership world, the topic of mentorship. But not only that, you're going to hear an angle that Kevin came at through a faith lens. 
Now, don't get surprised. Don't get frightened because you're going to hear how he eloquently and so skillfully walked us through and see how that pertains to you and I. You and I or you and me? Either one. We we go with both, right? (laughs) It pertains to you and pertains to me. So you and me, that's how it should be. And But you're going to hear him talk about these five important aspects of mentorship that most people miss. So I'm going to let him share that with you. And I don't want to rain on his parade. I don't want to say too much more because I may get in trouble and spill the beans. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to let him speak for himself. But before Kevin comes and share with you these ideas about mentorship, let me say thank you so very much for being here. If this is your first time, thank you. I'm glad you made it. You found your way here. It's good to have you. Make sure you subscribe to the show and do not miss any future episodes. And make your way back and listen to past episodes as well. If this is your second, third, fourth, fifth, or umpteenth time, thank you, thank you, thank you. I do appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. You make it possible for this show to be what it is today and expanding at such a rapid rate around the world. Thank you so very much. We are in over 100 countries and counting. I mean, I actually haven't tallied the last few numbers. We we have exceeded 100 countries some time now, but I, I really appreciate you sharing you giving reviews and ratings, you telling your friends, you sharing this with others. Thank you so very much. And my friend, one last thing is to let you know that this show is being brought to you by Kingspire Communication, where we help leaders get better results through coaching, speaking, and training. And you, as a result of our our training, our speaking, and coaching, you become better at relationship management, decision-making, and work performance, where your people will become higher higher engaged, more productive, and you'll increase your retention of your best people. Those are promises we make from Kingspire Communication. If you're interested in finding out more, make your way over to kingsleygrant.com, kingsleygrant.com, and connect with us and let us know if we can serve you in any way possible. Well, my friend, let's now kind of pivot to what you've come for. So would you put your hands together and help me welcome to the show today, Mr. Kevin Harris. Thank you for joining me on the Kings of Grand Show, where emotional intelligence and leadership skills intersect. This show is designed for leaders who want to know what works, and what doesn't work in today's marketplace. We have a special guest today who will help us to kind of navigate this whole area of leadership and what works and what may not be working for you. His name is Kevin Harris. Let me tell you a little bit about Kevin and then we unpack the rest as we go. He's a president of Radical Mentoring, an intentional small group mentoring process to help church pastors engage men build a core group of leaders, and transform their churches. Kevin is passionate about being a resource for church leaders that have incorporated small group mentoring into their disciple-making strategy. He and his wife, Suzanne, live in Atlanta with their two sons. Welcome to the show, Kevin. How are you doing today? Kingsley, I am great. How about you? 
Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us today. So where in the world is Kevin today? So Kevin is in Atlanta, Georgia. We're kind of right in the middle of uh, where Sandy Springs and Buckhead intersect about 30 minutes ago. I was in a carpool line. Wow. Uh, today I'm, uh, I'm sitting at, uh, in my home office, just happy to have a conversation with you. Awesome. Looking forward to that. So, Kevin, if someone should come to that region of Atlanta, what would be a must-see or a must-do and a must-taste that you would recommend? Easy to, easy to talk about. So Atlanta, as you probably know, is the home of Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. So if you want to uh, see, well, I guess this would also, this would qualify as see, do, and taste. Technically, okay. it'll give you a different taste. Um, okay. I would highly encourage you to go into uh, the area where the Olympics were held, that, that Olympic Park, kind of right in the mm-hmm. Centennial Olympic Park in the middle of town, where you can see the Georgia Aquarium. You can visit the world of Coke, uh, which is this incredible museum, which takes you through the history of, uh, of the Coke organization as well as gives you a place to get a taste test of Coke from around the world. But if you really want to taste something, I highly recommend you eat some barbecue, specifically some brisket, if you mm. really want to taste something good. Wow, that's awesome. You know, I was in Atlanta a few years back. I mean, many years ago, I actually went to that very same area you described just now. It's really interesting because it's really my, my first introduction at the time to, to Atlanta. So I was like very kind of mesmerized by that, the Coca-Cola yeah. history and all of that. So, yeah, I, I do concur with that um, idea of going to see that and getting a, a, a chance to see where it all started. I mean, actually, the history of all the Coca-Cola and what they have done there. But I, one thing I, you mentioned, which I think is so interesting, because I, I really admire the brand of Coca-Cola. I mean, obviously, it's a brand that sti- uh, sticks out. Uh, stands out wherever you go. Everybody know the brand Coca Cola, and and for them to maintain that, what I do realize is it takes very good leadership because somebody have to constantly making certain that everyone understand who we are, what we're about, where we're going, and all of the above. So, when you hear the word leader or leadership, what comes to your mind? You know, I, when I think of it, I think of the word stewardship. And I think what you're doing as a leader, Andy Stanley um, said that. He said leadership is this idea of stewardship because what you're doing is you are – you're really caring for those people that are around you, that you are caring for the culture. Like as you talked about Coca-Cola or or Chick-fil-A, another great Atlanta institution, you're caring for the the people. You're caring for the culture. You're caring for the – the, whatever the product might be, but you also recognize that it's not all about you. You know, if you're stewarding something, you're realizing that that opportunity came from somewhere or from someone, and you're really just designed to hold that so that you can then carry that forward to the generation that's coming behind. And so I really think, I love the idea of leadership being stewardship, is really, I think, is a, is a critical part of it. You know, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I, I wrote a book two, uh, two years ago, and my it's called the emotional intelligent leader, and the, I have several um, principles I outline seven essential traits of leadership. And would you believe the first essential trait I have as a leadership is stewardship? Right? I love it. And, and because I talk about the very same idea that you're stewarding people, you're there for a season, you're not there forever. And I go into leadership is relationship, um, leadership is uh, partnership, and, and all of those. So I have seven I of those. It. So the very first thing that must be, I see as a baseline to start with, is that idea of understanding your role 
is, as you said, stewardship, uh, stewarding people. Why is that so important for a leader to really grasp that, Kevin, and, and make sure they understand fully what that means and why is it important for them to be impactful and effective as a leader? Well, I think because if, if the people around you, and again, I hate to keep sounding like I'm quoting people, but if the people around you don't know that you care about them first, then they are not going to follow you. And I think if you want to um, grow an organization or grow a brand or grow a group of people, you really have to care about the people first before you start telling them all the main reasons why you think this this trajectory for your life or this trajectory for your company is going to go a certain direction because you got to be surrounded by people that you care about as people first. You know, not just you don't care about them because of their ability to drive your sales numbers or care for your customers or build the greatest widgets in the world. You got to care for them for who they are. And I think when I think back on my own leadership uh, opportunities in the business world before I stumbled into this mentoring business, which has been a real gift, it's been the fact that, you know, I felt like I really just wanted to know my people well. And I think when I figured that out and, and they knew that I cared about them first, then then everything sort of began to shift in terms of sort of my own trajectory as a leader. It was a really valuable lesson for me to know. You know, I think this um, really goes back to the idea of this saying that most people have heard before that people don't care how much you know, they want to know how much you care, right? You got it. And, and people can sense that. They know if you're making them a priority or the primary thing or you're focused on them or you're product-centric or people-centric. And I think people are very smart enough. And when they don't have that idea that you care for them, the chance is they will going to undermine your leadership or they're going to sabotage somewhere, right? Because you need them to make sure to get the job, job done, right? So when that happens and say, for example, that leader is experiencing, say, toxicity and possibly um, want to begin to assess and diagnose possibly where this might be coming from. Would this be a good place to start? And if so, how would they go about beginning to unravel or unpack to make sure that this is not the thing that's causing the toxicity in the workplace? I, I think it's a great question. And the, the kind of reflection point I love to think about is a question that um, – I heard asked one time is, is what is it like to be on the other side of me? Oh. And I think it's an incredibly powerful question, but you've got to be humble enough to ask it and you have to be willing to get the, you know, willing to get the feedback. I think we can all do kind of 360 feedbacks and kind of create it. We can make it a really formal process or we can just sort of go to somebody, whether that is a coworker, a boss, a friend, a parent, a child, whatever it might be, a spouse, and just say, hey, what's it like to sit across the desk from me? What's it like mm -hmm. to come across uh, me in the middle of the day or the end of the day? Or what's it like, honey, when I walk in the door at night? Am I? What's it like to, you know, and then just sit there quietly and just listen and soak it in. And you will quickly understand, if you're willing to hear it, mm -hmm. you'll quickly understand because Gary Thomas in his book, um, Sacred marriage talks about, you know, marriage being this full length mirror where everything gets reflected back to you. And I don't think that's a marriage principle. I think that's a life principle. Mm -hmm. That's a friendship principle. That's a business principle. That's a parenting principle. It, that idea of you're going to reflect back to me, however it is that I'm projecting onto you. And so if you're willing to ask that question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? You will learn an incredibly powerful lesson about how you are engaged as a leader. 
You know, what I love about what you just said, Kevin, is that the question is one part of the equation. Uh, what is it like to be on the other side? I think what you also um, highlighted, which I think is so key, is your willingness to listen, right? Because we can ask a question and people may give us the feedback. And if you are a leader thinking that you are above that, watch out, right? Danger is like the neon lights are flashing. So that person have to then have a, a sense of uh, humility and willing to know that I don't know it all and, and start at that place because you if they it. want to get from the people what to collaborate in a collaborative way to work towards a goal, this is a place to start. That is what I find sometimes, Kevin, leaders have a hard time doing. Because they have this mindset that this is not supposed to what they, they're supposed to come in and know things. And if they get in that place, they might somehow reflect as if they don't know something, right? So talk to that leader who, who struggle with like, man, I don't want to somehow people feel as if I don't know what I need to know. I'm, I'm the leader. Come on, help me out here. Right. And I, th I think that the hardest thing to do is when you're listening to not go, yes, Kingsley, you're right, comma, but, and mm -hmm. then start to list off all the reasons why that you're, you really are discounting their value and their view of you. Um, and you're going to start telling them all the reasons why they're wrong. It's it's really that idea of listening and saying thank you, and uh -huh. saying I'll work on oops I'll work on that feedback. I'll um, you know I I care about what you're saying. I want to I want to pay attention to you. You matter to me. And I think that's the that's the hard part. And there's you know you can pay really expensive consultants to do those you know full 360 reviews and all those sort of things, but. Humbling yourself enough to go, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not doing anything, as the Bible would say, anything out of selfish ambition, right? I, I just, I'm not asking you this because I'm, you know, trying to play you to make you think. If you're not authentic and you ask somebody that question, they're not going to give you honest feedback mm -hmm. because they know that you really don't care about their feedback. You really just want to get points for asking the question. So I think mm -hmm. listening patiently and having enough self-awareness to humble yourself to take the responses and then change and then go back and ask the question again and continue to have those open dialogues, I think is, is the is the magic formula and all of that. I agree 100%. You know, and it's interesting that, Kevin, you mentioned something earlier, and I think that this is interest, a good way to kind of uh, um, segue here because you kind of said you stumbled into mentorship. Because, and I wonder then how, because when you stumble into something and know it's different, sometimes you have to have an, a, a reference point to know this is something different. And, and it looks like wherever um, I now stumbled in, it contrasts with something else. So I wonder then, how did you get to the place you've gotten? You know, who may have somehow that you have looked upon who have influenced, impacted your life. So when you stumbled upon something, you knew what it was. And as a leader, and if you were to give that person a trophy or an award, who would that be and, and why? Yeah, I'd give it to my mentor, who's a guy by the name of uh, Reggie Campbell, who passed away earlier this year. I met Reggie in 2002. So at that point, I was newly married, a young... Um, you know, business guy who was probably think I was honestly thinking a lot more highly of myself than I probably should have. Um, Reggie was a guy who had a heart to want to engage other men who were a little bit 
further behind them. So in his mind, mentoring was um, it was taking the life experience that he has had and the lessons that um, that Jesus has taught him and then pouring that out to a group of men coming behind him. And so in my mind, uh, entering in a mentoring group, which is sort of his was is our philosophy at Radical Mentoring, entering into mentoring group, I thought it was about networking. It was about rubbing elbows with like-minded, up-and-coming business guys. And um, when I walked into Reggie's house that first night in February of 2002, what I experienced was nothing that I expected nor anything I'd ever experienced before. And it was a, it was a guy who was willing just to humble himself enough to say, look, I'm not going to tell you I've got all the answers. But I do know that God's done a miracle in my life and in my business and in my marriage. And all I want to do is just try to catch you guys before you get to some of those critical points where you might make some of the mistakes that I have made. And I just want to try to help us build a life of faith together so that that can be the lens by which we view our marriage and our parenting and our business world. And so I would give Reggie that trophy time and time and time again because he was busy he was successful but he made himself accessible because he knew that he could have an impact that went way beyond his lifetime if he was willing to invest in the lives of younger guys and so i was in the second group he ever did there was eight of us in the group and he led 19 of those similar groups um in his lifetime, in fact, uh, the month before he passed away in January of this year, he was still leading a mentoring group. Wow. He had those guys in his house having that conversation with him. And so um, that's a guy that just taught me so much about, you know, as leaders, we think we have to have all the answers. Yeah. And what Reggie taught so many of us was you just have to be able to ask really good questions and be willing to lean in and just take Take what life experience that you have and pour it out so that others behind you can catch it. And so that would that would be the guy that I'd give that trophy to for sure. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that, um, Kevin. You know, as you were talking about that, because I, I see that parallel so important in leadership, because in that workplace, for example, you know, because I believe leaders, as you mentioned earlier, we are there for a season and how you impact those individuals during that time is so important. And one of the things I also wrote in my book is leadership. And one of the seven essential traits is leadership is mentorship. You know, and I think it's so important for leaders to understand that one of their role is critical to be a, a mentor. So you describe Reggie and how he mentored and the idea how he, he brought people into their home setting and was very um, intentional, right? Very, very um, structured around that. In the workplace, it may not be as such because you have all these people coming and going and, and so on. So what would mentorship look like in the workplace from your perspective? And why would that be so important for that leader to be intentional in doing that? Yeah, you always have to be thinking about your replacement. You know, as, as you said, if, if you understand that your leadership is stewardship and you're only there for a season, the requirement of that is to be able to look behind you and go, okay, who were, who's the next person coming in behind me who, who will be, who will be replacing me one day and, and be willing to kind of say, you know what, I'm going to put my own selfish ambition on the sidelines for a little bit. And I'm just going to make sure that Kingsley knows I'm for him. I want him to know that I'm, you know, I don't want him to make the same mistakes I made. 
I know how hard it is to be a young business guy stepping into a new company and a new organization where you think you've got to prove yourself every single day. I want to create a safe space where he can come into my office and he can close the door and he can say, Kevin, this has been really hard today. Help me understand and where you're willing to go. Hey, you know, you Kingsley may surpass me before I Mm -hmm. want him to, but that I've got to be okay with that. And I've got to be willing to just pour back into him and let him know that this is a, this is a safe place. And by the way, it doesn't mean not hold him accountable. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we get it wrong a lot of times in the business world is we think, you know, if, if I care for somebody, that doesn't mean I can hold them accountable. Man, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, if you care for somebody, that's right. you can hold them to a standard so much higher than you could do if you didn't care about them. Mm-hmm. And so let's make sure we don't lose that, that valuable lesson, which is not – we're not, we don't want to create big, soft, squishy teddy bears in the workplace. Right. I just think we miss the fact that if, if I care about you, I can say, hey, Kingsley, that wasn't good enough. Mm. And, I, and, I, and it wasn't good enough because I know you're capable of more yeah. because I've watched you and I see how you operate and I see how you care for the people that are on your team or, or whatever that context is. And so we got to make sure we get that right, too. You know, I think it's interesting that you um, clarified Kevin, that idea of mentorship, because sometimes people think that mentorship just is like just being there and just, you know, passing on. But it's more intentional because you talk about the fact that and uh, that the best, best mentors, right, may not be the ones, may, may not be what you think, right? Aren't they what right. you think? And, and so you talk about five qualities of a mentor that I think is important because if a, a person is going to be a good mentor, then these qualities, I would believe, have to be a part of their makeup, have to be a part of how they function, right? So I want to ask you then, why is it that not everyone who mentor is really the best mentor? And, and what are the qualities that they might be missing that makes a, a mentor a good mentor or a best mentor, um, so to speak? Yeah, you know, and... We talked about a little bit at the beginning, you know, our organization, we spend a lot of time focusing on church leaders, but this also fully branches into um, into the business world as well. I mean, I, I think a great mentor is an all-in follower of Jesus, because I just think there's, a, there's mm-hmm. some core principles in the way that Jesus lived that will unlock things in us that will allow us to be better mentors. Mm-hmm. I think great mentors have to be committed to the generation behind you know, it can't be this, this, you know, this sort of selfish, we talked about it again, this kind of selfish idea. You've got to be willing to take somebody behind you and bring them along in their journey. I think you've got to be a great facilitator. You know, oftentimes um, great teachers are not great mentors because nobody wants to sit across the coffee table from me and hear me tell them everything I've done in my career and tell them all the reasons why I'm great at what I do. Mentors have to be willing to ask great questions and encourage dialogue and not lecture somebody. Mm-hmm. I think one of the critical things that makes a great mentor is they've got to be willing to be transparent and vulnerable. You know, I'll speak to men specifically. 
we have gotten in the bad habit of you know waking up in the morning and putting these masks on so that when we step into our environments we have to create this we have this understanding that we need to have it all together and i think a great mentor is somebody who's willing to take the mask off and say here's the good the bad the ugly Here's my gut level disclosure around where I've struggled in the workplace before, and I just want to make sure you understand that, that I, I may not be as, you know, the fact that I may have this corner office or have this title or this position doesn't mean that it's come with this beautiful trajectory and story behind it. I think you've got to be willing to do that. And we talked about the last one is you've got to be willing to set and hold others to a higher standard. You know, again, it's that idea of a, a mentor saying, look, you're better than that. Mm-hmm. You you are you are more than that. You you know you've got to be you've got to be really consistent in that feedback and consistent in those standards because that's when you begin to see people rise. And you may find out that while you're caring for somebody and you're setting a high standard, they may not be able to reach that high standard. And you've got to be willing to care for them enough to help them find their ways, you know, find their ways out of those situations if they may. You may help them come to realize that they're in the wrong seat on the bus, as Jim Collins would say. You know, I, I, I appreciate that because I think that um, I love the fact that the higher standard won because um, I think that sometimes we, we tend to settle and not believe in our people enough because they might not be the leader, but we somehow um, look down on and not realize that person may have more skills and, in, and sometimes are better at something than we are as leaders, Right. right? And we need to, to be able to identify who might that person be and really utilize their skill set, their wisdom, their experience. Because, again, at the end of the day, it's a win-win thing, right? But something you mentioned, Kevin, I find where some leaders struggle. And I talk about this very same thing because I had to, I had to really hit this head on in my book because I find some leaders, especially men, when it comes to being vulnerable and transparent, that is an area they struggle with because it's like, how do I do that and, and not worry about it being used against me? How do I do that and still remain strong and this leader? You know, so, so there might be a, a tension around that when someone hears that. So help us kind of um, soften that tension that they might be feeling when they hear you're saying one of the things that I, a good mentor an effective mentor ought to do is learn to be transparent and be more vulnerable. Right. And I, th- and I do think the, the counter to that is you have to be aware enough to know who you're going to be vulnerable with. And so ah. great leaders and great mentors um, who are, as you'd like to talk about, emotionally intelligent also are able to assess the emotional intelligence of somebody else. And they will understand whether or not this person, um, as, as you talked about, I mean, you know, I had a, a guy say, "Vulnerability is handing somebody a loaded gun and ask, and trusting that they will not turn that back on you." Yeah. Wow. And that whole idea of, "Hey, you know, if we're going to be journeying in this together, and we're going to come to a understanding of creating this safe space, um, I'm going to have to know that that you know, I'm going to hand, I'm going to share some things with you that." I, they may shock you about me as a leader because you may not think of me in that direction, but I want you to know that this is who I am and this is the journey that I've been on and I'm going to entrust you with that. And so there, there are some, you know, some technical things that like in our mentoring groups, we, we ask people to sign a covenant document at the beginning uh-huh. that says, I commit to this being a safe space, and, but I also commit that this is not going to be something that we talk about outside of this group. 
And so you've got to make sure that everybody who is in, in an environment like that knows that, um, that they have to be trusted with mm-hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly of themselves and of you as a leader and, and create that space where you guys can talk about that for sure. So there is a, there's a mutual agreement that has to happen in that regard. Yeah, uh, thank you for that clarification because I think uh, a person, as a lady, realized that it doesn't mean that you're going to just throw everything at at everyone, right? Be selective, right? But at the same time, you want to build a know, like, and trust factor. And I find the fastest way to get to that place is vulnerability and transparency because people get to know you. You are like them. You struggle. Right. You have your own issues as well. So the thing is, um, Kevin, you you speak a lot to church leadership. Shouldn't church leaders know this? I mean, this is something that should be a given. They're following Christ. They're following, you know, their faith. I mean, why would they need to then have to, you know, learn this? Isn't uh, a given? <laughs> so help us understand a little bit more about that. I think it's the, you know, I think the principle is the same in that um, I think we, we've just all been burned and scarred by people in our lifetimes who we thought were for us and had our backs and who turned about us and, Man, I hate to say it, but the church and the Christian community sometimes has been the worst area for some of that because we love to, you know, at least in, in you know, in Georgia, we'll, we'll joke and say, oh, Kingsley, you know, or I'll, I'll pray for that for you. And then you <laughs> then you call your friend and you say, oh, Kingsley gave me a prayer request and you're not going to believe what he asked me to pray about. And then the prayer request becomes the thing by which you begin to spread the gossip all around, uh, mm. all around your neighborhood. And so... Unfortunately, I just think we've all got that part of us that doesn't trust, doesn't fully trust somebody to um, to hold the darkest, deepest, scariest, ugliest places of my life and know that you'll hold them safely. And I just think it does take a little bit of that emotional intelligence to know I can trust Kingsley or or Kingsley's mature enough to handle this part because I think I, he's a guy that I believe in that's coming in behind me. And so... I just think, unfortunately, whether it's in the business world or the church world or in your neighborhood, uh, we've all just had bad experiences where we th- we thought that we trusted somebody could be trusted and they let us down. And so the more those experiences we have, the harder it is to break through that and be willing to lean in and, and really be able to open ourselves up to, to some of those hard conversations. Well, you know, that's a very interesting point, and I'm glad you, you took that um uh, perspective and that angle because I, I wasn't thinking that and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, we you, and no matter where we are, we basically have some um, similar issues and it needs to be addressed. And, and so you formed Radical or you actually became the, the president of Radical Mentoring. And so this is, I'm hearing, it's a an organization that really tailors itself or is specific to helping people, leaders and other and men primarily, right? Um Number one, why did you select? Why did you guys um, choose to go after men, right? And, and I was just was curious about that. And then also, tell us a little bit more then about radical mentoring as it positions itself in the community and, of course, in our, our um, global setting to make a difference. What is it about that that can help leaders today, especially men, to want to then come and find out more? Yeah, so the guy that I mentioned at the beginning, Reggie Campbell, who's our founder, uh, who mentored me in 2002, and then sort of uh, we created a, a really special friendship, and we journeyed together for years, and about uh, six years ago now, he asked me if I'd consider sort of leaving my, my business career and coming to join him and, and take this message more 
more formally kind of out into the world. And uh, part of the reason we uh, we addressed men first is because um, we are men. Mm-hmm. And it was <laughs> that's that, that's the that's the easiest answer is I couldn't begin to think about how to write a con- content for women's mentoring because I'm not one. I'm married to one for 20 years. <clears throat> but um, that's why we address men first because mm-hmm. Reggie knew those challenges and issues that men faced. And so he just felt really committed yeah. to wanting to help men become all that they could be at home, in the workplace, in their communities through the lens of their faith first. Mm-hmm. Um, we have now started a, a, a mentoring track for women. So um, if you're interested in that, uh, I'll share those websites with you at the end. So we actually now have a process for women that was developed mm-hmm. by women, a lot of oftentimes by wives whose husbands have gone through the mentoring process. And so um, they've come through that. We're also about to um, cons- really start to take our mentoring process and try to put it into the corporate culture because we know that there are private and public companies and nonprofit entities who are leading with Jesus styled um, uh, values, Christian values in the workplace who um, would love to be able to create these kind of small group mentoring environments in and outside of the workplaces. So we're going to try to lean into that a little bit, um, a little bit more as well. And so, but we just feel like, you know, specific to men that we've, we've seen, you know, I, I've now, I'm now mentoring my fourth group of guys. We've seen about 14,000 men come through our mentoring process. We work with somewhere around 400 or so churches all across the United States and, and some around the world. And so I, I know, um, I, I know Kingsley, if you invited six men to show up at your dining room table and meet with you once a month for three hours, and I could equip you with a process that you could take these men through that would help them understand their identity first, understand how to take that identity and apply it in the context of their workplace and other places that, um, that God would do a miraculous work. And so that's just our heart is to get this mission and this, these principles into the hands of churches and um, church leaders and mentors. I appreciate that. And then, by the way, that as you're listening, you, you can find out more at RadicalMentoring.com. RadicalMentoring.com is where you'll find out more about what Reggie, um, what Reggie started, but also what Kevin leads at Radical Mentoring. And also, if you're on, on Instagram, you can find Radical Mentoring there as well and see um, some of the, what they're posting and just in, um, you can interact with them there as well. But RadicalMentoring.com is a place and they have some resources that are available that you can also access at RadicalMentoring.com. So if you're interested in that, make sure you make your way over there and, and get a bit uh, more of what um, Kevin have shared today. So Kevin, we're coming down towards the end of our, our, our time here today. And I wanted to ask this question because one of the questions I asked and you want to think about this for a second is, is how would you want to be remembered? How would you want to be remembered? But before you answer that question, if there's one last thing that you want to share that maybe in our talk it wasn't addressed, you want to leave with our audience today, what would that be? And take the time to do that. Yeah, I would say it ties into exactly what you just said, which is how do you want to be remembered? Um, <clears throat> I think we, uh, and, and now we're, we're getting towards the end of the year and what has been a wild year for so many of us, and there's no better time than to step back and really start to think about some of those things. And so I would encourage you to, to take a few minutes and write your own obituary. 
slow yourself down enough to uh, begin to write out sort of that vision statement for your life, which then would, you know, helps you think about what do you want your wife to say about you or your kids to say about you? How do you want to be remembered? And so I think that was one of the, that was the very first exercise I went through in this radical mentoring process was to write my own obituary. And I think it was, um, one of those things that just really helped me frame some of those long-term values and, and, and mission that I think I want to, I want to be about. So I would say, um, really try to think about, um, really, really think about those things, especially as you wrap up one year and you start to head into, head into another. You know, it's, it's, it, as, as some people might think that sounds kind of morbid, but you know, it's not, it's really, it's really radical. So I think if it's your, yeah. your guys, you know, mission, it's radical. You know, I remember in, in college when I was in uh, pursuing my degree, I had a professor that she had us actually do that very same thing. And what she did was she said, write that out and then reverse engineer and then begin to look at every phase of your life and ask the question, how are you? What are you doing that will have that become the end result? And it really had me thinking. I was much younger then, and I was thought, "Baby, come on now! You know, I'm not thinking to die anytime soon." Right. But really, it it made a difference in my life, and so I think that was a very good point you made just now. And imagine a leader who is there for a season, doing something like that, and then working backwards and ask every day, "Is what I'm doing today right?" So I love radical mentoring idea, and I love the fact that you share with us the five qualities that really is uh, we don't think about too often, especially in the work environment. So I really appreciate that, and you taking the time to share with us these important um, um, issues for for leaders, but especially especially for men to truly think through and say, hey, you know what, I got some work to do. So I, I appreciate well, you're that. doing great work, and I, I probably should have read your book first. It sounds like we uh, we share the same heartbeat in that that we just think that, that uh, you got to steward people well if you want to uh, to really get to where you want to go. It, you, you can't do it alone. You got to have people around you, and I think you got to learn to love them and care for them and steward those relationships well. So I'm grateful for what you're doing as well, Kingsley. Thanks for having me. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. And there you go, my friend. You've heard Kevin just now as he shared about mentorship. Now, this is something that I don't hear a lot about in, in leadership. And I know that you probably would say you too. But what I love the fact that Kevin took the, the lens through which he looked and kind of showed us basically how important this aspect of leadership is. As I mentioned in the interview about my book, The Immortalligent Leader, about the seven essential traits, and one of those traits I have is leadership is mentorship because I believe it's so important. And I think Kevin really took it to the next level as you listened. So I'm curious. I'm interested to know what your thoughts were. I know there was some faith mentioned inside there and particularly about Christianity and Jesus Christ. But my friend, listen, I hope that you don't let that get in the way of what he had to share because that is essential to an overall approach. So I I wanted to mention that and, and thank you for taking the time to listen through all of that because it's important, but you might not necessarily subscribe 
yet or subscribe to that. So still, I'm sure you received things that were so important, so helpful. And we want to know what was the most helpful part of this interview for you. Would you take the time and give us some feedback? You can comment on, ask a question, follow up with Kevin at RadicalMentoring.com or on Instagram, Radical Mentoring. You can follow up with that and you can ask a question, you can comment, but you can also share this interview with someone who you know could benefit from this. And when you share that, you are inspiring someone and we call that here, you're inspiring someone, right? You're taking something from the Kings of Grand Show and inspiring somebody else, you're inspiring. So let's inspire someone today. This is a movement, my friend, and let's keep it going. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I do appreciate you being here. So again, make sure you can inspire someone today. Let us know what the most helpful part of this was to you and leave us a rating and review on the platform in which you listen to your podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate that. My friend, let's now put the show back into the vault. Here we go. Here we go. There it is. Now that this show is safely tucked away into the vault at the Immortaligent Leadership Institute, I can make my way out and say our goodbye. With that said, my friend, peace out, God bless, and I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.